Hello, and welcome to the show where we cast our favorite books into film. I'm Rachel. I'm Flo. And I'm Roxanne. And this is Typecast, brought to you by Rare Birds Book Club. Today, we're casting Far From the Madding Crowd with a special guest, Laura Jane Williams. This is a very special episode today. We have our first ever guest star, Laura Jane Williams. Welcome, Laura. I'm a guest star. (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) If you don't know her already, Laura is the author of five books, um, and the most recent of which, The Love Square, was just recently a book club pick. We're all really, really thrilled that she's here today. And Rox, this week, you have the honors, don't you? Oh, yeah. This is a... (laughs) I'll try and do the synopsis quickly. Before you've read the synopsis. (laughs) We enter the fray meeting Bathsheba a young woman who is beautiful, spirited, and poor. We also meet a young farmer called Gabriel Oak, a solid tree-like man. Bathsheba really likes Gabriel, enough to save his life even, but not enough to accept his offer of marriage. She prefers her independence to his oaky finish. Oh, and it turns out she ain't so poor. An obliging uncle promptly dies and leaves her a prosperous farm. Bathsheba's having a whale of a time, so much so she sends a joke valentine to her neighbor, a bold, woody sort of fellow called Boldwood, asking him to marry her. In a classic clinger move, Boldwood becomes obsessed with Bathsheba and asks her to marry him. She doesn't love him, but doesn't outright reject the offer either. Gabriel, watching this, thinks Bathsheba's being kind of mean, tells her so when she fires him. You'd think Bathsheba has enough on her plate, but in walks a dashing Sergeant Troy. Of course, she immediately falls in love and marries him against the advice of her friend Gabriel Oak, and also manages to arouse the anger of the human barnacle, Boldwood. (laughs) Annoyingly, Gabriel is right. Troy is a no-hoper, a major gambler, and whoopsie-daisy in love with a servant girl he got pregnant. In a classic Victorian Tinder move, Troy disappears off the face of the earth. As everyone thinks Troy is dead, Boldwood thinks his day has come, and out of sheer exasperation, Bathsheba agrees to marry him. But Troy isn't dead. Boldwood goes crazy, shoots Troy, and lands himself in prison. But guess who ain't dead and in prison? Gabriel Oak. Realizing she's been, he's been a friend to her this whole time and hasn't gone crazy or made anyone pregnant, Bathsheba marries her tree man. <laughs> That's a lot. Oh my God. I think, I think you need to like create a Twitter account that's just like sarcastic synopses of classic <laughs> novels because you obviously have quite, quite a skill for it. A real flair for it. <laughs> you did a, that was great. You did a great job. Far from the madding crowd. Laura, this is your pick. So what made you choose this one? The reason that I picked Far From The Madding Crowd, my most recent novel, The Love Square, is very loose modern retelling of Far From The Madding Crowd, taking this idea of a central protagonist who Bathsheba um, Aberdeen becomes a woman of means by inheriting um, a farm I loved the idea of even in 2020, being a woman of means and being slightly unconventional, not being in pursuit of a husband is still a slightly radical thing. And I love that that translates from all the way back then to to all the way now. Far From the Madding Crowd to me is just like one woman, three quite hot men, like Oh, okay, let's boogie. Um, Yes, please. (laughs) And I've always said that about my own fiction as well. You know, I write kind of the books that you read on the beach and are are joyful and escapist. And I hate the rhetoric in, in film and TV and in books that amazing men are a scarce resource. So I loved the idea of flipping Far From the Madding Crowd on its head and making all three love interests quite remarkable in their own way. That, you know, it shouldn't be women fighting each other for, for, for the hot guy. There should be so many hot guys that they're surplus and we can afford to walk away. <laughs> That's You know, you make that a really interesting point when you say that it's kind of radical for women to not want to get married because that's that's so true. And actually, I find that, you know, there's that those real big pressure points, especially as you're sort of 
like heading towards your 40s that it's like, oh, but if you don't, you're going to regret it. Like like there's some kind of expiration date on when you can get married or, you know. I just I, love that Bathsheba doesn't need that rite of passage in order to progress to a certain station. She has everything she needs, so she doesn't need a man, but wouldn't it be fun to kind of want one? In the sort of run-up to today's recording, I was watching the trailer for the 1967 movie and I just I have to read you guys the script from this because it's absolutely incredible in this place of calm beauty and deep and primitive emotions the woman Bathsheba Everdeen lived and here she gave herself to three men Mm. (laughs) that's what it genuinely says I mean but this is why it lends itself or to me lends itself to so well to um, a 2020 modern retelling like I did because even like Back then, not even like turn of the century when it was written, but even like late 60s when they did that adaptation, like dating three men at once is just Mm. so radical. I mean, I I would argue it still kind of is because, you know, in the love square, Penny does get a little bit of shit for it. Yeah. And it's like Francesco is seeing other people and it's not like, you know, himself to three women. (laughs) I still think in 2020 for a woman to be dating three men is still something that would be like, whoa. Yeah. Well, and I definitely, I did have to really consider that when I was, when I was plotting out the story of, it could have been a very different book if Penny just didn't care and was going to become some sexual adventuress, but that's not the genre that I write in. I I write in commercial women's fiction. Um, You know, if you're going to add this story to your shop at the supermarket, for example, there's a certain um, expectation um, and so in that expectation, there has to be kind of misunderstandings, maybe willful misunderstandings, some crossed wires. It couldn't just be that she has this voracious sexual appetite. Um, and so the world be damned, I'll, I'll date three men. Because uh, like you say, yeah, a little bit of judgment. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. if that if that was going to be the story, that would be the whole story. I think it's still a little bit too radical of an idea that it could just be like this is one aspect of her personality she has several boyfriends and she's seeing a few people at the same time and we don't need to talk about this yeah so yeah you're 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 right in that sense far from the matting crowd is actually still pretty these ideas are still pretty contemporary yeah my my experience of reading it was very much that there were things in it that I found very modern you know sometimes Mm -hmm. just the way they kind of talk to one another I just felt it felt so they felt like people that I know, which is, mm. you know, not that I know personally, but, you know, it just felt modern in that way, which is really nice and mm. weirdly kind of refreshing. And she's a modern heroine too. Like, you know, I mean, one of the reasons she doesn't want to marry is because she likes her independence. Like, yeah. you know, and she, and she does that. She says that to Gabriel before she becomes, you know, wealthy. She's like, no, I want my independence, yeah. you know. Even yeah, though- she, she's always known it. It's just the money becomes uh, a route to achieving it. I was just going to say, Laura, can you tell us any more about how you updated the other characters? So instead of giving Bathsheba a farm, <laughs> I gave her a restaurant in all of my books um, I'm dedicated to writing protagonists who often excel in what would be considered a predominantly male field so in my previous book Our Stop I had the protagonist Nadia working in STEM Um, in this book I knew I wanted to write about food because food is a passion of mine Um, and Chefing is still a predominantly male-dominated field. Um, so I made Bathsheba a, a, a quite well-renowned chef. So she doesn't inherit um, a farm, uh, her uncle's farm. She inherits uh, her uncle's restaurant or um, basically has to, has to go and run it um, for a year. And that is what takes her far from the Madden crowd is that she starts out in London, but then ends up in Derbyshire. In my adaptation, Troy is called Thomas. He is Lizzo's tour manager and seduces. He's very hot. He's very hot. (laughs) Yep. Based on, uh, I have a friend who her boyfriend works in the music industry Um, so he's away a lot and when he's away he's away and when he's back he's back 
And I thought that really fed into the idea of like, you know, Troy is a soldier. So when he goes mm-hmm. off and, and mm-hmm. he fights and, and then he's back, that was my way around that was like, oh, you know, turn of the century soldier is like a current day music tour manager. When my friend told me that's what her boyfriend did, I was like, yeah, I have to borrow that. (laughs) And then uh, Boldwood, I have made like a suave wine merchant, that kind of older guy. Mm -hmm. What's his history? Like, he seems like he's got everything together, but let's find out some more about him. So when was the first time that everybody came across Far From the Madding Crowd or read it or saw the film? Did you read the book first? Was it a film first situation? I came across it about a week ago. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I came across this beast when I was 15 from a GCSEs. And uh, yeah, and again, we we had to watch the, so we read the entire book, analyzed it endlessly in bunches of episodes. What about you, Rachel? I uh, saw the film first. So I saw the Carrie Mulligan film before a while ago, and then I've picked up the book and read the book after. What about you? When was the first time you came across it? Did you read the book first? Uh, No, same as you, the Carrie Mulligan film. And it was at the behest of an editor who had said, you know, that would really do well as a modern retelling, um, which got me thinking. So yeah, watched the film, then read the book alongside a study guide for the book. I think a GCSE study guide. Hey, Um, I'll tell you. They know what all the symbolism means. Yeah, this is it. So um, really did a deep dive and was like, okay, yeah. So if I was going to, if I was going to tell this now, you know, which bits could I take along with me? Um, But yeah, I needed to really pair it back to, you know, GCSE bite-sized online strip it back to the yeah (laughs) to be like am I smart enough to understand what's happening because that's for me I'm not terrifically um well read in terms of having done like an English degree or read the classics I love contemporary fiction I I read voraciously um I always have um but I think um I continue to have this underlying worry that somehow my 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 classics uh, knowledge leaves a lot to be desired. So when I do approach a classic, I am always quite terrified um, that I'm not smart enough, that I'm not clever enough, that I'm missing something, that I'm not understanding. So even to sit here with you now and say, oh, yes, I did a modern retelling of Far From the Loving <laughs> Crowd. And, it, you know, the bit that goes unsaid is, I think. <laughs> because <laughs> who, who can be sure that I truly understood uh, a, a book written so long ago. I I actually think classic lit terrifies almost everyone. Do you know what I think it partially is too? It's like you open to that that page on a book, and it's just that block of writing. There's just no paragraphs. It's just Full, one, yeah, just single <laughs> block that goes on forever. You know, when you study them for things like GCSEs, the classics, you know, those courses have a lot to answer for because something that is so rarely mentioned when I look back on kind of my high school education when we were reading Romeo and Juliet or whatever it was, it's like the teachers never mentioned like this is a great story because you get so you get so bogged down in the symbolism or the meaning or the significance or why this was a groundbreaking work something like that which is not appealing to the general reader most of us just want to pick up a book and enjoy it and be entertained especially and if you're 15 the- it's like what what do i have in common with with a sheep farmer <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean if they don't yeah. if they don't tie you to the sort of Actually, you might have a lot in common with the characters in this story because the the you know when you kind of drill down, the story is extremely relatable, which why is why it lends itself so well to being updated and uplifted a little bit. Yeah, completely. Because you know the the human element of the story and in all the classics, that's what makes them classics. That's why they stand the test of time because mm. human nature is human nature. And there's also like a lot of lightness and comedy in this book as well, like. The whole thing where they send the Valentine to Voldemort uh-huh. is so good. Um, I love, I really love that bit when the little kid who helps Gabriel Caney has seen Bathsheba in Bath, and he's like running across the field to tell them all, and then he keeps <laughs> coughing and he can't get his words out, and all the other men keep interrupting. And Gabriel's like, "Okay, but Caney, what actually did you see? What did you see? Just tell me the story." <laughs> 
And it's so like sort of silly and such a diversion from what's going on, which is quite serious. But you just Mm. think like, oh, this is so much a part of it. It's so much a part of the story is the people on the farm and who work there and the people in the town and all of their relationships. The community, yeah. It's not just about the central, you know, four people. This is by far and away his most well-known novel and Mm. and is that because of those those lighter instances and this is why I get so um I mean I don't get cross about it anymore because I've schooled myself out of that but this idea of contemporary women's fiction chick lit rom-com being somehow less culturally valuable or weighted even the idea of um I write easy to read books um why that would have a cultural black mark against it when surely the point is you know I work really hard so my reader doesn't have to they can just focus on consuming a great story exactly what you've just said um about you know the way that some GCSE set texts are explored like at the heart let's just remember these are great stories mm-hmm. um I feel very strongly about that. You you shouldn't have to struggle to consume meaningful art. Meaningful art can be a supermarket fiction book or it can be a hardback classic. It can be Coronation Street. It can be King Lear at the National. Um, as long as you're consuming stories. And why do we consume stories? We consume stories to find ourselves, you know. I teach writing sometimes and I always say, I remember exactly where I was when I listened to Adele's Someone Like You. I was in my university dorm room. I lived with a musician. She used to buy proper hard copy CDs and she handed me the CD and was like, listen to the last track on this album. And I put on Someone Like You and I lay on the floor and Adele sang this song about being so heartbroken and thinking she would never get over this person and she'll never find somebody like you, but she wishes you all the best and she's going to go onwards as well. And I did not give a crap who had broken Adele's heart as she sang all this. What Adele telling that story meant is that I was able to think about the person that had broken my heart. And that is such a gift. Who cares what package that comes in? It's true though, what's valued and what's and what's not. And I, I think you're right. I think sort of difficult reads are somehow valued because then you're considered to be smart enough to get through them versus something that well, just makes you happy. You know, writing about relationships is so much considered the domain of women. Well, but look look at something like normal people, which is just it's a love story. It's it's just a love story about, you know, two kind of teenagers who fall in love and can't make it work and then break up. And that story has existed in the kind of women's fiction sphere forever. Mm. And normal people has just taken off because instead of branding it as like, oh, this is a love story, or this is women's fiction, it's like this is literary fiction. Yeah. And every and why does everybody love it? Because it's a love story, because it's about, you know what I mean? It's about human relationships, that sort of thing. People sort of pretend that they're above those sort of stories, but they're not because what's the point of our life if it's not sort of human connection, human relationships, mm-hmm. friendships, love, that sort of thing. And this like, and the deaths out of Far From the Madding Crowd, it would kind of be a romantic comedy. Well, and it is. It's called The Love Square. It's available now. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about the ending because at the very end of the book is when Gabriel and Bathsheba are married. And the scene that the sort of scene where they get engaged, if you will, is so romantic. It's so lovely because she's, he's said he's leaving. She's agonizing about why she's like, he hates me. And she's like, pacing around her house and she's like, I can't take this anymore I'm going over to I'm just gonna confront him she's like knock 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 do you hate me yes or no Gabriel <laughs> <laughs> and he's like what are you talking about and then they sort of talk it out and she says um you know he's like oh if I if I only knew I could marry you and she said yeah but you'll never know because you never ask me and he's like okay um <laughs> what you want to get married 
And it's just, it's just so beautiful. And he kind of really rallies her because she says like at the end of it, she's like, oh, it looks like I came courting you. And he's like, oh, well, just give me this one thing. Like I've been dancing attendance on you for years. It's such mm-hmm. a beautiful ending. Mm-hmm. And I just, I wish so, so much the book had just ended there because how it actually ends is like cue four more pages. <laughs> they, get, they get married in secret because she doesn't want a big carry on, mm-hmm. but the you know their friends and the the community finds out and they sort of show up at the door and like they set a cannon off and they're like hey you guys got married like congratulations and gabriel's like thank you and this is actually the line of the book then oak laughed and bathsheba smiled for she never laughed readily now and their friends turned to go (laughs) gosh well, that's just some party for you. Yeah. At least no kids died. You better think the end, yeah. <laughs> the thing in this book I didn't really like is the sort of constant chiding of Bathsheba by, you know, the narrator and saying, oh, she's so silly, isn't she? And she can't sort of keep her womanliness, you know, in check. It keeps just rearing up. And it's sort of, I guess the kind of <laughs> idea is that she has learned her lesson at the end. And so she's going to stop being silly. Climb down off your high horse, Thomas Hardy. Like you wish Bathsheba would look in your direction. <laughs> yeah, you might have mentioned first... this a warning, but for the rest of us, it's a call to arms. Okay. Time for our casting call. It's time. Um, so listeners at home may already know these rules, but for the benefit of others and for Laura, um, we have three main rules. One is that we must cast living actors, a.k.a. no deadies. No deadies. Um, our second rule is that they have to be contemporary, so that means you would cast an actor as they are now and not how they were in the 1990s or something. Okay. And then thirdly, they have to be actors. Um, it can be a musician who has dabbled in acting, but you know, if they've never trod the boards, as it were, then they're not, then they must not appear on your list. And also, it's not a rule, but we will be awarding the inspiration hat to the most inspired casting choice of the week. And there will also be a dunce, dunce cap. Dunce of the week. I know who's, I know who's definitely not getting that this time. Okay, so who are we casting this week then? Obviously, Bathsheba. Mm -hmm. And then... Her three suitors. I think that makes yeah. the most sense. So we've got Mr. Gabriel Oak, the steadfast farmer. <laughs> There's Mr. William Boldwood, who is a man of means. And then there's Troy, whose name I don't know. It's just Frank. Sergeant Troy. Is it to be, oh, Frank, Frank, be honest, Troy. he should have been Troy Swordsman, so we're all clear on who's who. And Frank Troy, the swordsman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> All right. What are we looking for for each? What do we know about these guys? What do we know about Bathsheba? What do we want for her? Bearded, I think. I, I like a, I, want, I like the idea of a, yeah, spunky, like a spunky sort of spirited vibe and quick to laughter. I think that that is kind of important for Bathsheba. She yes. has to be quite young or at least sort of skew young um, because the things that she does are quite immature you know Mm. they're the actions of someone who is has some growing up to do a lot of the time I think of her as playful like a very playful character because she's got nothing to lose because she's got everything she needs she's quite sort of hot-headed and mercurial she has to play in contrast to Gabriel Oak who is like very steady like you know sensible he's everything that sort of she's kind of not even though they both operate they're both really intelligent and ultimately quite kind people but that that's sort of the yin and yang of them is that he's he's serious all the time and well not all the time but he's he's the more serious character and she's the more playful one yeah she's not he calls her when they get together he calls her provoking which i think is a really good word for her yeah physically she's meant to have very dark sort of black hair isn't she and she's quite tall so then we've got gabriel he's a farmer a shepherd is gabriel hot when we say gabriel's hot i've been thinking a lot about this (laughs) 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 he does have to be attractive but he, he can't he can't be sexy i don't think 
What? Well, I think he has to be a little bit sexy. Come on. He's he's he dossier hot for me. Sexy, then. He's, he, there's got to be a moment. He's a real strong and silent type for me. I mean, the book opens with that description of him and he comes across sort of as a sort of friendly buffoon almost. Like the whole thing about him carrying around that huge watch. It's really huge and it keeps breaking. He's always having to like fish it out of his waistcoat and like tap it. And like to me, he kind of, he reads a little bit like a kind of Kristoff from Frozen kind of. Oh, like big and kind of lumbering and friendly and non-threatening. Okay, that's not how I cast him at all, but I like that read on him. Yeah, yeah, that's quite good read. Yeah. Okay, and then we've got Baldwood, who's sort of a little bit obsessive. Yeah, actually, it's it's funny because I in my in my mind I just remember him as being like kind of like an old man because of that adaptation. But yeah, I mean, I think in the 2015, I think Michael Sheen played him, and I think that's quite a good. Yeah, he was quite a good cast, you know, handsome but not drop dead Intense and intense too, I Mm. think, is a real. Intense eyes, yeah. Yeah. And then lastly, Troy. Flashy, Mm. handsome, Hollywood bad boy. Lose your head. (laughs) Just a fuck boy. He's a fuck boy, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess we don't have specifics. We don't really care about physical descriptions too much so we don't really need to refer to the book or anything no. I mean I always do anyway but I went a little bit older with everyone mm-hmm. like I didn't I didn't cast Bashaba as in her early 20s I cast her as a woman of my of my own cut in her 30s <laughs> did you cast yourself <laughs> <laughs> it's me old man must scream us with I <laughs> It is I, Bathsheba. the best. <laughs> okay, well, no time like the present. Now, since Laura is here as our guest star, our extra special guest, she's going to do the honors today and kick us off with Ooh. her suggestion. And let's, I guess let's start with Bathsheba. Do I suggest and justify or do I just drop a name and let the the ripples of that roll out where they may? I think usually if you drop a name and it causes a bad reaction, we tend to go straight into justification. We might we might <laughs> do that as well straight then. Straight away. Um, okay, so for Bathsheba, I would go for a brunette, Vanessa Kirby. Oh, oh. that's a good choice. She's I on like the list. That. What's she on your list? Yeah. I was thinking that like mercurial, quick to temper um, aspect alongside, but also needs to be beautiful enough that when all of these men see her, they're instantly attracted to her. Like there's no denying. Um, I I kind of played with the idea of like a Claire Foy um, just mm-hmm. because I just want to see Claire Foy in everything. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And she is beautiful, but not in the same clobber you over the head and render you speechless way that Vanessa Kirby <laughs> is. Um, so, yeah, that she's very good at portraying that, like, quick to anger, that she's beautiful. And I think um, that conspires to mean that when she laughs, um, it's as if, you're kind of seeing the clouds part and the sun <laughs> shine. And that's a really special, difficult quality to mm. to have. Her performance as Princess Margaret too in The Crown gives shows showcases a lot of that, that sort of, you know, laughing, sort of irreverent quality that Bathsheba has. So, yeah, yeah actually, I think that's Margaret really is, is Bathsheba vibes. Yeah, yeah, she is. Yeah, I think she'd be, I think she'd know that. I think she'd be great. My choice is uh, on similar lines, and I've mentioned this actress before, but um, I went for a sort of similar vibe. I went for Olivia Cook, who was recently Becky Sharp in Vanity Fair. I feel like I'm just trying to find a good role for this actress because I really love her. And I think it was, she she has similar vibes too, and she's very young and she's beautiful and she's dark-haired. And... Mm. Yeah, I think she'd be good. Yeah, I think she'd be good. <laughs> I still think I'm winning right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> yeah, you yeah. definitely are. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the actress I really want for this is Zoe Ashton. Ooh, I love her. She can definitely be headstrong. She can lose her temper, but she can also be, you know, vulnerable and fragile, which um, Bathsheba needs to be at some points. 
And I just think the reason she kind of came to my mind is because I think she could bring an edge to this role that I sort of feel like Carrie Mulligan was lacking. That would be the one thing I would say about the most recent adaptation in 2015 is like, I did feel like I wanted a little bit more bite to Bathsheba. Yeah, I, I do really like that. Yeah, Cause, I cause, think that's great. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good choice. The only thing choice. with her is that, I mean, maybe it's not a problem. I just, I think she's such a great comic actress. And I mean, I guess you, you could really lean into the comic moments. Mm-hmm. My only worry with her was was that she was maybe a little bit old. I also, I too, flirted with Claire Foy for this. I know. (laughs) It's so easy to flirt with Claire Foy. (laughs) (laughs) My choice is Daisy Edgar-Jones, who played Marianne in Normal People. Uh 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can can see see that. that. No, I can't see that at all. (laughs) (laughs) She's very Carrie Mulligan in a lot of ways. Yeah, she might be a bit too soft. I suppose, but I just think she's such a good actress that I feel like I feel like she has it in her to really step up to the plate. I think Vanessa Kirby is the best of those, and I'm not just saying that because you're our guest star. I think that is the best choice. Yeah, <laughs> I'd agree actually. Although Zoe Ashton would would be a close second, I think. Okay, so after round one, Laura is coming for our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> This isn't good. <laughs> I feel very confident about my Boldwood. Actually, I feel great about think, Boldwood too. No, I think really? I, I think I'm going to win this one. I feel medium about my Boldwood. <laughs> I feel really I, bold I, about. I'm going to take a punt on myself and say, actually, I feel very confident as well. <laughs> well okay, well, we'll, well. See. we'll see. We'll see. I do. On a big words here. <laughs> okay, Laura, go for it. Who's who's it going to be? My Boldwood. My obsessive, slightly unusual, slightly, <laughs> there's something about him. Is he hot? Is he not? Is he going to chop my head off and put it in a freezer? Is he going to love me forever? Is Adam Driver. He's way too, uh, for me, I just think he's too sexy. I'd want him to be Gabriel. I think that's probably the key problem yeah. with Adam Driver is that if Adam Driver was Boldwood, she'd be married to him. <laughs> yeah, Adam Driver's getting he's it. Weird. He's weird. He plays yeah. weird very he does. well. And he- I think he has the right energy. I just yep. I just think he's too like charismatic. I think I'd just be watching that being like, sorry, why are you going for he can, Gabriel? He I- can definitely do super creepy, like having trinkets for Bathsheba, like Bathsheba Boldwood in his closet and stuff. Mm. And I could definitely see him shooting Troy. But he's just so he's so sexy. He's he's in. I mean, as you guys know, he's in my dossier of hot guys. Yeah, he's and, in my dossier. Right, right, right. And I, yeah, I just I would marry him, even if he was bad. I can also imagine Adam Driver with Vanessa Kirby. I mean, that's television. I'd I can actually see. imagine yeah. him doing Troy. Yeah, I could just see him. I could see him doing Game of Thrones. Why don't we dangerous. just cast him? Yeah, everything. I was going to say, why don't we do one? He plays all three. One man show. <laughs> yeah. Well, jur- okay, jury's, jury's out. Jury's out. Jury's out. Jury's out. So mine is an actor that we have again mentioned recently. Rach, you mentioned this actor, but I think he'd be an amazing Boldwood, is Mark Strong. Oh, I think Mark Strong can has. get it as well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Mark Strong's in everything. Um, he's he was probably most notably Septimus in Stardust, sort of in recently, and he was also um, not recently. That wasn't recently, but he was also Merlin in Kingsman. If you've he seen is, that, he was fifty-six years old. But so he's an older man, obsessive, scary eyes, still oh. hot. The only I my only hesitation he's commanding. Yeah, I was going to say the problem with Mark Strong is I just don't see him kind of falling apart. Like, Boldwood is like kind of a broken man at the end of it all. You know what I mean? It's like his obsession sort of takes over his life and then he loses control and he shoots Troy and then he's like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, like Septimus in Stardust. But he's also. Septimus never loses control. Boldwood is is quite weak as well. Like, he, he doesn't, he can't kind of. That's true. I feel that like Mark Strong would be able to persuade Bathsheba to marry him. I mean, Mark, he's, he's called Mark Strong, for God's sakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, 
I feel like Mark Strong and Adam Driver have a lot of similar energy. Actually, yeah. I feel Agreed. like we've we've picked from the same orchard there. All right, I think I'm going to wow you with this one. Oh. Rufus Sewell. <laughs> no, oh, no, the murderized. This is the same. The murderized, yeah. The murderized. Mark this... Strong is too intense. Think of him in a Knight's Tale. That he basically is Boldwood in that. I Ruth, mean, Rufus Sewell has got disagree. a lot of. Um, who plays him in the film? Michael Sheen. He's got that. That's that's the same orchard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which and we know Michael Sheen works. So, what so, about Paul Bettany? To the point. Oh, I love Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany's but not bad he's actually. Too, he's too uh, handsome. Charming. Yeah. Maybe okay. handsome. No, but Boldwood okay. actually is supposed to be handsome. So I don't mind Paul Bettany. I was heavily inspired by A Knight's Tale for this casting. Um, Ray Fiennes. Oh, that actually is really good. I think he's perfect for it. He, he is quite old, but I like the idea oh, of him being aged up. And on. That's good. He's got that dark energy, but he can also do the kind of like, he's very sort of refined and genteel. And I think he can do the kind of more weak kind of aspect yeah, of his character. I mean, I just the problem with him, which I I think is not really even an objection, because I would never for a second entertain marrying him. But neither really does Bathsheba. So, why? What's wrong with Ray Fiennes? Would you marry him? Yeah, I mean, he's a yeah. handsome man. <laughs> marry into you the Fiennes family. <laughs> you, you can have him then. You can the have him. Dynasty. What? Flo, sorry. Flo, Flo is getting my vote for this one. I think. Thank yeah. you. Okay. Okay. So, so Troy, Sergeant Troy. Harry Styles. Harry Styles. Whoa. I think Harry Styles. I think that, you know, that watermelon sugar kind of half smile, flamboyant dresser. um, It shouldn't work. And yet, why did you dream about him last night? (laughs) He's got that energy. And Are that, you asking yourself that, Laurel? <laughs> <laughs> and that to me is 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 Troy. Hmm. I think I'm that's kind of genius, sh- actually. I'm deeply I, yeah, shaken I that by is, that. Yeah, that is good. The perfect example of a crossover. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had me very worried, and I thought, well, he was in Dunkirk. That's enough yeah. for me. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, that's, that's fine. No, he was good in legit. Dunkirk too. Yeah. Uh, I think that's good. Yeah. Young. Handsome, kind of that, foppy. Yeah. But I mean, boy. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. But he's got, yeah, in real good. life, I've got a lot of respect for Harry Styles. I think he's really got his head screwed on. But his energy is a bit fuckboy. And also marrying Bathsheba kind of out of spite. I could see Harry Styles doing as well. <laughs> <laughs> he is known for marrying people out of spite, isn't he? He's done it several times. No, that's good. That's, that's good, that's, yeah. That's yeah, good. that is inside. I feel like you, you guys should all just concede defeat for this this round and give it to me and, and we can move on. It's fine. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I got a good one. Fine. My Harry is uh Harry Treadaway for Troy. So he was he was Princess Margaret's uh love interest in um the crown, like right at the end after she divorces uh Matthew Good, who I love. Um but he was also recently in Picard. The reason I think he'd be good is because he's good at playing charming, vulnerable, but kind of bad guys. And that's who I think Troy is, essentially. I mean, he's not a really bad guy, but I, I, I think Harry Treadaway has the exact energy. I don't hate it. High praise. <laughs> <laughs> it might, yeah, especially compared to Harry Styles. I'm sorry. Like... <laughs> That you have an such, agenda. You have that, an agenda now against inspired, my Harry. <laughs> it was such an inspired choice that against Harry Styles, I just don't think it touches the sides. I don't. I mean, looking at his picture, I don't know that I would lose my head over his swordsmanship and just marry him immediately. Mm, Even when my oldest, my oldest, dearest friend had told me not to. Who would you lose your head over, Rach? Well, I can more see it happening to Harry Styles. <laughs> Curveball. Oh, no. What about Luke Evans? 
<laughs> what? Oh God, are you kidding? What are you? Are you just trolling us now? No, are you really? I think I think this is the perfect role for Luke Evans. Is okay, this so not the Laura, perfect role Laura, for Luke the background Evans. to this is that every time we mention Luke Evans, Rachel gets like extremely angry because she hates him. <laughs> okay, Luke Evans could be like he could come in all suave. He looks good in red. He could come in. He could do his sword thing. She'd be like, oh, "Fuck it, I'm gonna marry him." And then the second later, he's like, "Actually." I'm broken. I have a gambling problem and I hate you. Goodbye. Oh, yeah. He could definitely do the yeah, sort of shallow thing. I think he'd be good. I think he think maybe is a bit old. Shade old. Yeah. yeah. But my whole, ca- my whole cast is old. So in, in the context of the whole cast, mm. he is sort of age appropriate. Who did you say? Oh, you said Zoe Ashton. Yeah. So my mm. choice for Troy is Richard Madden. Oh, I do like that. I feel like I Richard like Madden that. is more of a Gabriel. Do you know what? I started off with him as Gabriel. Mm. And, then I, and then do you know what? I was like... You know how earlier I said he can't be sexy and I was like, Richard Madden is too overtly sexy. Mm, and I thought I'd actually love, kind of Oh my God, I love Richard Madden. That's Gabriel okay, though. Do you know what though? <laughs> I I actually, I think that's kind of inspired. I think because he's so likable and charming, I feel like mm. it's not telegraphed that he's a bad guy when he comes into it, you know? Yeah. I definitely think he, you'd fall for him and marry him immediately. I certainly would. Yeah. Ooh, not to throw a spanner in the works of Harry Styles, but would Harry Styles grumpily storm into the party and be like, come on, we're going, and Bathsheba would be sort of frightened of him? Is I, Harry Styles frightening? I Is he too slight? For me, it's less about being like physically intimidating and more um, like when he storms in, it's like throwing toys out the pram more of a little boy's tantrum than a threatening, I couldn't possibly say no. Because Bathsheba does actually love Troy and is so disappointed with what he becomes with her love that I think she there's a, there's a vulnerability that Bathsheba then has because she feels like something is her fault. You know, you can imagine Bathsheba going for... A, a, a dry vodka martini at the bar with the girls going I just don't know what it is but he just has me laughing hysterically and I can't help myself yeah. I can imagine that and then I can also imagine you know a year later fucking hell he's just become this totally different guy and I and I don't know how or why he gambles he he's drunk he my love isn't enough for him. Do you know what it is, though? I think both Richard Madden and Harry Styles would make great Troys, but I actually think Harry Styles would work better as, like, the modern fuckboy boyfriend and Richard Madden would work better as the regimental Victorian dude strolling into town. Let's move on. Okay, okay let's, let's move, move on. on. Obviously, the big man. <laughs> No consensus, as per usual. The stakes are high, so Gabriel. So is there no consensus for Troy? I can't get a Harry I just, Styles uh, vote. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no one's ready to give it to you. That's. I think it might. I think, I think so it might be a hung jury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, think I would. I would jury. say that it's. I think that's definitely in the running. Even though I don't know, it's one hundred percent right in my heart. I definitely think that's the running for most inspired choice of the week. Because I do think I agree. Mm, I think it's- that's that was a big curveball. I'm still. I'm. I'm. I'm so rattled by it. I just don't know who I am anymore. I feel I feel like uh, you won't get on board with my Gabriel choice. Ooh. Now oh. I know the lay of the land. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got a sense. But I was I would I would watch this actor in anything. I think there's a vulnerability. He's not a big beefcake, but I don't necessarily think Gabriel has to be and I would love to see this energy against Vanessa Kirby's of you think she could eat him alive but actually I think he's got the strength to come through and um, play against her very well but you're not going to enjoy it <laughs> what an and, intro. I, and I think it's dev to dev- dev- tell Oh. I would love to see. Oh, 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 we Dev do Patel. love Dev Patel. Yeah, I just for that softness, for that gentleness, for the 
I think he could be very serious, but the the magic between Bathsheba and Gabriel for me is that they're totally opposite ends of the spectrum, but when they make eye contact, um, they've got the same sense of humor. So I definitely um... I definitely can see Dev Patel in Flo's read of the character with the with the watch and yeah. being like a little bit mm, absolutely a, a slight goofiness. Yeah, I, I don't like know. that. I like I that. My I like, question I like is soft Gabriel, yeah. Would Dev Patel, because he he often plays those sort of like softer characters, would he, because a lot of like Gabriel Oak's personality too is that he is this sort of very solid character as well. And I just, and, and sort of while Bathsheba is so spirited and sort of flitting in and around him, he sort of is is always there for her. Do we see Vanessa Kirby and Dev Patel? Do you think they'd have the right chemistry? John Boyega. Oh, he was on my list too. Um, he's he's one of two that I thought of. I thought he's he's great because he. I I do think he's his character Finn in Star Wars is basically just Gabriel Lake. So yeah. I, I I like that. I like I that interpretation. I disagree with that. I, I don't. Really? Think I, yeah, I don't agree with that. <laughs> I think I think John Boyega is too much of a rogue. Like I actually think Dev Patel is probably better for Gabriel than John Boyega, mm. because Dev, I for Gabriel, he re- needs to really be. He's so sort of steadfast. Like he needs to be really pure of heart. He loves Bathsheba all the way through. Yeah, and even when he. Like, think about when they have that fight, and he's like, I think you're very much at fault. Like, that's like Mr. Knightly vibes. Like, he yeah, has yeah, a total go at her, but he vibes. loves, yeah, but, but he loves her all the way through. I think he can be quite masculine, and but also, like, sort of soft, and I think that's, that's Gabriel energy, in my mind. I mean, I love him, so I'd be willing to give him, give him a go. <laughs> okay, who uh, else? And then the other one is, I don't think you'll like this one, um... <laughs> But I just want it because he's a thirst machine. Is uh, Mikhail Huisman? Who that's played- who I have. I Yay! have him. Yeah. From, like Dorsey oh, from Guernsey. It, potato but that's because then you're just making Gabriel into Dorsey, and I don't agree with that. They, well, they are the same character, so that's why he was. <laughs> well, and he on my list. is. He is. He's too sexy. No, I like us. I'm happy to have a second. Okay, A, he looks like a farmer. B, strong and silent. <laughs> Done. C, pure of heart. A, he's got the hair. Like he's got the beard. Because <laughs> you know so many farmers. <laughs> I didn't know this actor before now. And I'm just, I mean, he is very... In the love square, I... um have written Gabriel as um, an Italian pastry chef who looks exactly like this Ooh. man in my mind. Well, there we go. What, what more do we need? So Rach my and I, we picked version. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I obviously no. really agree with that because he was one of my picks as well. Yay! Yeah, he'd be good. Yeah, I know. I knew, I knew Flo, you were going to have a go about that one because it was so obvious. Okay, yeah, well, Flo, yeah. who did you have? Uh, Paul Mescal. Oh, oh well, you won. That's good. Yeah, that's. I realised I you... also said Daisy yeah, Edgar Jones. Daisy but... Edgar Jones. <laughs> just ignore that. Just ignore that. This is the laziest cast ever. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not. But I do actually think he has a lot of what I'm looking for in a Gabriel because he's he's obviously very attractive, but he he has that kind of quiet energy. Mm. He seems very mm. stoic. You mm. you can you can imagine him on a farm. You can yeah, imagine him being in love with a girl for many, many years. Mm. Which he is in normal people. Um, he's too young though. I agree. Like if we were if we're sticking if if Vanessa Kirby is our North Star, he's like ten years too young. Yeah, I can't actually necessarily see him as Vanessa Kirby, to be honest. No. I he's 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 an excellent choice though. But yeah, I think for I think we love Vanessa Kirby. Oh, so yeah. if Vanessa if Vanessa Kirby played a an eighteen year old Margaret, why is Vanessa Kirby batting at thirty four if Bathsheba is actually supposed to be Paul Mescal's age? I guess I it's just Paul Mescal looks so young. He looks young. I yeah, it's not really about young. her. No. I just I think, think the the thing about the two of them is uh, where the problem is for me is that Gabriel 
she relies on Gabriel because Gabriel is like an experienced farmer. Like that, she needs him to look after the sheep and to help her with the farm. Like he becomes a really, like really trusted in that sense. And Paul Mescal does not look more experienced in life than Vanessa Kirby does. Mm. I I think maybe that's my feels though. Oh, 100%. (laughs) He could be a great, he could be Troy. You maybe need to cast a younger I gotta say though, Daisy Edgar Jones and Paul Mescal as uh, <laughs> a redo. It. You would watch it. So yeah, I did watch it already. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> wait, Daisy Edgar Jones, Paul Mescal, Adam Driver, and then Harry Styles as the young. <laughs> I'd have taken that. That's true. I'm not gonna lie. That would be a very sexy adaptation. I would yeah, watch it. Wow. I would go okay. to a midnight showing. <laughs> So, to wrap up, inspired pick of the week. I think it's got to go Harry to Laura. Styles. I think, yeah, yeah. she's done yeah. it. Yeah, she's yeah. done it. You. Yeah, you guys did collectively gasp and then take a second to digest what I'd said. I mean, <laughs> that's what we look for with an inspired. Pick. <laughs> I was, Austin- I was so genuinely surprised that I, I was speechless. <laughs> yeah yeah we, we we like to be taken aback by our uh inspirational picks yeah. so and now harry styles goes up next to jafar and tay diggs as uh inspirational <laughs> picks oh really and oscar, okay. and oscar isaac so you know there's yeah. so it's mm-hmm. a good collection mm-hmm. so all right who, who actually laura Who's maybe you should decide who the ninny hammer is who the p yeah, what was the worst the worst suggestion of the week um oh gosh I can't remember them all now not that they were all bad I mean I can't remember all the <laughs> how could I possibly choose who so who did we say for um for Boldwood who did Mark Strong Rufus Sewell oh. <laughs> oh no am I gonna get it again I'm sorry <laughs> That's no bold word, I don't Do you know what? That's it. We're done here. (laughs) I'm sorry. Yay, I was so glad I didn't get done, so I thought I was close to it. (laughs) It's all right. It's it's a dubious honour. Thank you very, very, very much for coming on with us today, Laura. It was a pleasure to have you. Yes, thank you Um, so much. Listeners, The Love Square is out now, so make sure you go and pick it up when you're done with us here.